Sustainable 84. Sustainable 84. And I haven't really been to sleep. Have you? Mm, not really. Not really. No. Why? Why? Because there's been an election. Oh, hasn't there? Hasn't there, Justin? There's Didn't some things happen? Things happened. Things happened that I don't think many people were expecting to happen necessarily. Uh, just to remind you, I did make a prediction a couple of weeks ago. And that prediction was this. Selection, so who knows? Would you like to um, predict that Jeremy Corbyn's going to be Prime Minister yet? Yes, actually. <laughs> yes, I would like to predict that. I, predict, here, I hereby predict that on the 9th of June 2017, Jeremy Corbyn will be made Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. <laughs> Now, look, <laughs> I was laughed out of town for that, <laughs> no, and it okay, didn't happen, yeah. but mu- it got a lot closer to happening than I think I was given the credit for, so I would like half a point, please. You can have half a point, my cherry monkey. Yes, there's been an election, and uh, we're going to talk about what it means. We are your friendly little environment podcast, all about people and the planet, and why, despite everything just not making any sense, it's just nothing makes any sense nothing at all, sense. nothing makes sense, sense. Um, no. we can still talk about it every now and then. And the usual disclaimer is that we do work for environmental charities, but these are very much our own views, and the views of our guests who we're going to talk to in a minute, so if you've got any beef with anything that we say do not grass us into the government whoever the hell it is by the time you're listening to this take it up with us or uh not with anyone that we work for yes very good let's cast our babble ballots Schadenfreude of the week. Are you in any way referring to this? <laughs> successful, but also particularly sorry for those colleagues who were MPs and ministers who'd contributed so much to our country and who lost their seats and didn't deserve to lose their seats. And as I reflect on the results, I will reflect on uh, what we need to do in the future to uh, take the party forward. Oh, not a great day to be a Theresa May, is oh, it? Oh, not uh, really. Poor old Theresa May. Woman calls election uh, in order to get a mandate, do a thing that she didn't want to do in the first place, uh, and then proceeds to lose that election, and then goes on to say how despite having lost the election, which was to give her a mandate to do the thing that she didn't want to do in the first place, her priority is still to do the thing that she didn't want to do <laughs> In the first place, isn't and it? To, and to get on with it, <laughs> and to get, to get on, with, on it. with it, which, stably, you, know, you and might to, say <laughs> is a little rich for somebody who stops getting on with it in order to have seven weeks worth of election. But that's you know that's just one opinion. There's a fly in the studio, which is rather irritating me. We've been trying to get rid of it for the last three days, but it's still coming around. <laughs> yes, so there's been an election, and the Conservatives were expected to win it, and they uh, haven't. Uh, and well, they have. Well, they, they, yeah, okay, they have, but, but haven't. You know, well, they have, 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 haven't, haven't, haven't. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to understand 
what, if anything, all of this incredibly odd hoo-ha means for the planet. So we talked to someone, didn't we? We did, we did. We were very lucky and very grateful to get some time from the wonderful, wonderful Liz Hutchins, who is a sort of political strategist and all-round star campaigner who is currently on a sabbatical from that there, Friends of the Earth. And she's mega clever about politics and environment and elections and everything. So we had a little chat to her. Just bear in mind that this was recorded about 12 hours after the uh, the result was known. So by the time you're listening to this, everything's probably changed. Lord Buckethead is probably in charge by now. <laughs> Harvey Jonathan David, known as Lord Buckethead, 249. <laughs> Hello, Liz. Hi, Ollie. Hello, Liz. Thank you very, very much for joining us on this sunny Friday afternoon as we record, uh, which Friday afternoon after the Friday morning where we discovered that there wasn't an enormous Conservative landslide victory in that there general election, but rather there was a hung parliament. What do you think about that? And what on earth has just happened? Well, it really is an extraordinary outcome and it does show that there's this huge difference between public opinion and printed opinion. And I think anyone who had been door knocking in the run up to the election knew something was going on, but I don't think anyone predicted this outcome. I I don't know. I I think it's going to take weeks for everybody to properly analyse it. But what's really clear is that uh, there's a big polarisation in politics happening. And uh, I think the central reason why Labour has shot up and got uh, so much more support, their vote went up by uh, 9.5%. It seems to be that people are just really fed up with falling living standards and this message of hope and a vision of a better society that Labour was um, articulating seems to have really resonated with people. And were all of those people that voted Labour, were they voting Labour because they like the planet? Was that what (laughs) happened? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because actually the Green Party's vote has has gone down by, I think it's 2.1%. So uh, people could draw conclusions about how uh, much of a priority the environment is from that. I don't think that's actually the way to read those results, because what was really striking in this election, if you are looking at the content of environmental commitments, is that all of the parties that are not the Conservative Party or the DUP really do have uh, the environment is quite central to what they're talking about. Um, so, you know, we know that the SNP have quite a priority of, about that up in Scotland, Plaid, um, but the Labour Party also had uh, a, a launch of a kind of a separate document, which is an industrial strategy that went into some depth about their vision for um, practically how they would have a fair transition from a kind of dirty energy to a low carbon and clean future, and also building into that a kind of uh, the idea about protecting nature. So I think what's happened is that the Labour Party has, has snuck in and stolen some of the, the green votes that would previously have gone to the, to the Green Party. Uh, so so you, you mentioned there that um, all the parties, apart from the Conservative Party and the DUP, have got some sort of good stuff going on on the <laughs> environment. 
Isn't it the Conservative Party and the DUP that are in power? <laughs> and what, what does that mean? Oh, that doesn't sound like the I environment. Should, I should point out at this point that uh, going back and listening to episode 69, where we did a Northern Ireland special and we learned all about the DUP, might be a is nice it? idea for anyone who doesn't know what a DUP is. But uh, yes, that is a good question. Oh. Uh, yes. So, yep, the Conservative Party is going to try and uh, run this country with a minority of votes and they're working with the, the Northern Ireland Party uh, to try and do that. And uh, uh, just to recap on why the DUP are so scary, uh, they're basically a group of really quite right wing politicians and um, they have some characters like Sammy Wilson. Who used to I remember be- him. Like He used to always pop up having a massive go at climate change action, didn't he? Crazily, he used to be Northern Ireland's environment minister. That's um, right. Yep. He has said about, he basically really welcomed Donald Trump pulling out of the Paris Climate Agreement uh, last week. He said he thought it was very wise of Donald Trump to do that and said the accord was totally flawed and pointless. I do. And first of all, can I assure the member that the environment is safe in my hands? And um, in the past, he said all sorts of things about, um, you know, we're going to look back on this period of history and wonder why we were making such a fuss and a disaster (laughs) hasn't happened and it's all greenies and lefties getting hysterical and so on. So, and he's a huge fan also of shale gas and fracking and so on. So the idea that he was the environment minister in the north of Ireland is, um, yeah, that's pretty a bad situation and now these are the sort of characters who are going to be joining Theresa May uh, in making sure that we have a Conservative-led government. So mm. on the face of it that's quite scary. Um, I think when you think about it a bit further it's also quite scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you think ah. about it for long enough that our <laughs> listeners don't all uh, jump into the canal now please? <laughs> Well, reaching back to your your programme about the manifestos, I do think there is a distinction here between the Conservative Party and the DUP and Donald Trump. And they do have different views on climate change. So uh, uh, one of the few environmental kind of flashpoints that happened during the general election campaign was when Donald Trump did pull out of the climate change agreement. You had a programme on that as well. And... Um, Theresa May did phone up and say, look, I don't agree with this. You know, we in in the UK support the the Paris Agreement and uh, we think this is a bad thing that you've done. Um, But Theresa May was roundly attacked by all the political parties for not signing on to a joint letter condemning that decision uh, that was led by Germany and France and Spain, I think it was. So that was a kind of a flash moment. And Jeremy Corbyn said... Uh, what he would do on the first day if he was prime minister. So it's like, this is day one. This is the first thing I'll do. And he said he'd pick up the phone to Donald Trump and um, say that condemn his decision on the Paris Climate Agreement and call for him to to re-engage. So I think that's really, uh, that is the first time I've ever heard someone say, right, I'm going to be prime minister, who's actually got a credible chance of being prime minister and saying the number first thing I'm going to do is take action uh, on climate change. So anyway, Jeremy that, Corbyn that isn't prime happen, minister. Though, did it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that... Um, 
you know, the Conservatives do say that they want to tackle climate change. There is a difference between Theresa May and uh, the DUP Sammy Wilson type characters. And uh, the, the issue, though, is that for this whole last period of time, the Conservative government has been ripping up policies that we actually need to implement the action to tackle climate change. So they've slashed support for renewable energy. They are massively pro this new fossil fuel dash for shale gas and so on. So whilst they do say that they want to implement the Climate Change Act, for example, which is the legally binding framework for tackling climate change in the UK, on the one hand, they're saying that. On the other hand, they don't actually have a plan to meet the targets in the Climate Change Act and worse than that they're ripping up some of the policies that we would expect them to be massively uh, accelerating if we're going to tackle climate change. So Liz uh, I'm going to ask you some things and I want uh, two word replies off the top of your head right so I'm going to ask you whether some things are more or less likely to happen now than they were a few days ago right? Okay. Ready? Go. Is it more or less likely that we're going to get fracking? Less. Why? Ooh. Because this um, election really wasn't fought on environmental issues. The Prime Minister does not have a mandate to force through a new age of fossil fuels. And what I think has happened is that all of the opposition parties are now quite galvanised and uh, certainly the leadership that Jeremy Corbyn has shown the Labour Party, which is frankly a lot greener than other parts of the Labour Party, is in the ascendancy. And so, you know, if there was a vote in Parliament today on, or when it reopens, if there was a vote on fracking, I think we'd get much closer to defeating proposals for fracking now than we did before. That's not to say a vote would be won, but I think it kind of the moral pressure and the uh, lack of legitimacy for this minority government really helps in situations like that. Uh, what about fox hunting? Are we more or less likely to get fox hunting? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that was a dog whistle communication so dog, less, dog whistle like, fox hunting i don't know like you're mixing your you're think, mixing your mammals a, up. Hound, a hound whistle <laughs> a hound whistle i think theresa may was trying to signal to bits of the conservative grassroots about how right-wing she was in a way that that was intended to motivate existing tory supporters and probably uh, ukip supporters to come out and vote I don't think it really was about having a new um, a new vote on fox hunting. So is is the environment, do you think, ever going to become a sort of mainstream issue in an election? A bit, because it didn't, it didn't seem like it was a, a particularly big issue in this election. I would argue it was bigger than previous ones because there was, during the campaign, Ooh, quite a lot it? of potential on air pollution. Was it? Um, no, during the, during the campaign, there was you know, there was a big thing about air pollution, um, mm. which was sort of coincidental. Like that would have happened at this time, and it just happened that there was an election anyway. But then, for the first time in any of the debates, any of the tele debates, there was a question from the audience about climate change, which I hadn't seen before. So I think a slight a slight increase, but clearly not mainstream. So I guess my very long winded um, question is: Do you think the environment will ever become mainstream in an election? But also does it need to be, or is it that you just build environmenty stuff into the things that are mainstream? 
Well, I'd say two things about this. One is the main dividing line in this general election was living standards. That was that was the big issue. It's like people's income has been falling relative to inflation. There are lots of people on, you know, part-time jobs and low-income jobs that they're not happy with. People have huge problems with housing. We've got uh, you know, uh, public services like the health service and social care that are not serving people's needs. And people care about it and they, they mind. And that was what the election big debate was on the doorstep. So uh, the question was, which party is going to solve this and which party is even committing to solve this? So I, I think that was what that was the really the big dividing line. And I think the environment movement overall has completely failed to articulate a link between solving environmental problems and addressing people's concerns over their living standards. So what is it about solving environmental problems that will make you better off, you know, have better health outcomes? So I, I think the environment movement to be relevant to people's lives, and it's kind of a crime in campaigning to not be relevant to people, uh, we need to very much be more central to the debate about, you know, the future jobs will be green jobs. The future of our cities needs to make it easy for us to get about in a way that doesn't mean we have polluted air and so on. So I think there's that element to the debate. I, I've no idea what your question was now, Ollie. I'm just talking. Sometimes Ol forgets what the question is before he's finished asking a question. Very frequently, <laughs> especially the day after elections. <laughs> Um, no, but you were you were definitely answering uh, what I asked. It was yeah, interesting, sorry, which is probably is it more interesting than if you'd actually taken what I'll ask you. <laughs> How can we make uh, the environment sort of more central to politics? The other thing is, I think there is genuinely an intergenerational uh, divide opening up because we've got a whole generation of people whose expectations of life are now lower than those of their parents in terms of, you know, the cost of going to university, the cost of housing, uh, you know, actually expectations about the environment and the planet that they're going to live on really, I think, is higher up the agenda of, of younger people and we just saw a phenomenal uh, growth in turnout for young people at this general election and I think there's quite a bit of analysis and data to be gone through to really understand that but if if what it is what it looks like which is there's a, a real engagement of young people I don't think that um, this is going to be a cohort effect I don't think it's that when those young people grow up they suddenly won't care about these things because actually this, the problems they're facing are structural. You know, as these young people grow up, they will be having carrying the debt from university. They still won't have access to housing they need. But also for them, the environment is not going to go away. These people are going to, I think, um, get get older with a sense of actual uh, fear about the planet becoming less inhabitable for, for them than it was for their parents' generation. And that's something that surely will continue to kind of assert itself into political debate. Scumbag Neil. Uh, can I go to the toilet? <laughs> I have heard it said by people, including people not a million miles away from this conversation, uh, that this parliament coming up, I mean, they said it about the last one, but we've just reset, 
is the parliament in which we need to tackle climate change or kind of forget it. It is the parliament in which we need to sort out the terrible mass extinction of species that we're causing here and internationally. Right. So uh, if that's still true, and I kind of assume that is a thing that hasn't gone away, how in practice then is this parliament going to do that? That's a question. That is a question. Yeah. <laughs> Join us next week on Sustainable. <laughs> It, in all honesty, I don't get draw my hope from this parliament in the UK being the leadership of tackling those questions. Because actually what we're seeing is China taking a huge leadership role. Some countries in Latin America, like Ecuador, you know, powering its economy on renewable energy. Uh, we're seeing um, huge developments in technology and the economics of the solutions to some of these problems shifting I think that's where all of the hope comes from and, and cities working together actually so where nation states have failed to show leadership cities really are stepping up and one of the brilliant responses to Donald Trump and the Paris Agreement was all of the huge cities across the United States within a day I think coming together having signed this declaration saying you know, we're going for this. We're going to implement the climate, uh, the Paris Agreement, uh, no matter what you do. And then there was solidarity from around the world. So mayors from all around the world saying, we stand with our American brothers and sister mayors, and we're going to be working together on this. So I think there's huge hope there as well. And, um, you know, the, the and actually also within the UK, um, I think, you know, Scotland and Wales are really innovating and not waiting for the Westminster government to, uh, you know, to solve problems like tackling climate change. So there is hope. But, you know, it's pretty scary, to be honest. We we need to um, we need to take a lot of the radical measures about changing our economic system to be low carbon within a really short period of time. Certainly, to this to date the conservative government hasn't been part of the forefront of that but there's no reason why you know Theresa may shouldn't have a, a damascene conversion and uh, <laughs> there is no reason <laughs> that know. cannot happen you are correct so you've talked about some things which i think are very hopeful um we, we've touched on um, you know, younger people getting mobilised uh, in this election and and, um, and carrying with them this concern about the environment, um, which all sounds brilliant. So I want to talk about something rubbish, which is Brexit. Uh, is 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 Brexit still going to happen? Is it going to happen in a uh, in a worse way than it is previously going to happen? And what on earth does that all mean yeah. for the the environment in the UK? What where are we? I'm I'm totally confused. I'm always confused, but I'm totally confused at this point. Well, Theresa May says she's going to crack on with the talks to the planned time scale and, you know, speculation about delays and so on. That's not going to happen. So that, that seems that that's been announced. I think that um, we should be very worried that in the Conservative manifesto, they promised to cut and paste environmental protections that we get from Europe and we know that around 80% of the environmental protections for our water and air and you know making sure dangerous chemicals don't get into our food and so on they all come from Europe so what the Conservatives have said is they're going to cut and paste those from European law and plonk them into our own domestic law but they've at the same time made 
completely explicit that then they will then go through those uh, protections and see which ones they want to keep and which ones they want to change. So the fight's going to be on about the terms of the Brexit negotiations. And one of the things we can take hope from is that it's in the interests of our European neighbours to hold our government to the same environmental standards as they have because if there's one thing that business wants is a, a level playing field for making profit frankly um, and they're not going to want British industries uh, kind of polluting either polluting on the shores of uh, Europe so that you know our dirty air or pollution of seas or so on uh, goes across to Europe or that the uh, British companies undercut European ones in terms of um, the standards of their production methods. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a really big and tough fight. But the the fact that this election has produced a completely unexpected outcome, Theresa May has, is in a weakened position, she has less of a mandate to go for a hard Brexit than she did before, means there's more political space to have conversations about the type of Brexit that happens. And the environment movement needs to be incredibly loud and bold in that. And we need to be saying what needs to be protected. And people need to understand the genuine threats of uh, losing some of, some of these environmental protections. But we also need to paint a, a positive image of hope and kind of what what is the... Um, society that we're trying to build and why is it that having these protections and indeed strengthening them and implementing them more is going to be better for everybody, better for people's lives, be better for health and, and our economy. So lots of people who listen to this podcast are understandably quite interested in the environment and probably <laughs> lots of people um, are quite interested in the environment that listen to this podcast. The rest, is, the rest is who? My mum... <laughs> Uh, my mum, Quadrilla, uh, and and all the bots that <laughs> that we think are real people that aren't. Oh, I'd love to finish. know how many people that listen to this podcast genuinely don't care about the environment. Do you think Sammy <laughs> Wilson listens to this podcast? <laughs> uh, right, so absolutely everybody who listens to this podcast is mad keen on the environment, right? And that means that probably quite a few of them who live in the UK um, vote for the Green Party, but clearly... Despite our millions of listeners, that's not translating to millions of votes for the Green Party. And so my question is, what, what is the future for Green, the Green Party in UK politics? Because what were they? 1.6% of the votes, I think, uh, at, this, at this election, which is not very much. And um, it doesn't seem like, well, they've gone a bit backwards, haven't they, in terms of vote share from, from last time round. What, what's the future? What, what's the point of having a Green Party? What, what are they going to achieve? So this election did see a dip in vote for the Green Party. And I think that is likely to be a combination of reasons that Labour had a particularly green manifesto this time. And um, also the Green Party didn't stand in as many seats as usual this time. So that's likely to be reflected in a dip in the vote share. Obviously, they've still got their one Green MP, so there's no fall in the in the number of seats in Parliament. And I think lots of people would say that there is a point to having a Green Party whose primary role is to talk about environmental issues. And, I, you know, there's been huge 
a, a praise for Caroline Lucas's consistent role about raising those issues in Parliament. What we need to see is every party championing the environment in Parliament, and it shouldn't just be left to the Green Party. It would be really interesting to see this new cohort of MPs. I think there's something like 60 new MPs in Parliament. Some of them are returning. We're seeing Zach Goldsmith come back again. He was very discredited uh, in in his uh, campaign to be Mayor of London, but there's no doubt that he was consistent in raising environmental issues in Parliament. And we're seeing MPs like Chris Williamson returning to Parliament who... um, Is a militant... Vegan. Yeah, I can see that little smirk <laughs> crawling across <laughs> your face. Hey, oh, you I'm going to play. I'm going to play the militant vegan song. Every single fig, I will never call you a pig. I respect you and pigs. Don't use pig as an insult. Animals are. Rich. But he he is also very passionate about uh, climate change and protecting nature, and so we are going to see some champions in different political parties as well as the Green Party in this um, this new parliament. An animal as an insult for a human if you avoid thoughts that are deep i will never call you a sheep i respect you and liz thank you so much for uh staying awake to talk to us pair of idiots um we greatly appreciated it and i hope the babble army did as well how can people uh find out more about what you think if that's a thing they wish to do Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. Are you looking up your you Twitter handle? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Hang on, put, put an edit in here, Roll. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Liz underscore Hutchins. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> I can't remember whether there was an underscore, but... <laughs> Okay, so that is just about it for another episode of Sustainable 84 in the can. My goodness me. Thank you, Dave, for, well, for being awake, alive, Welcome. vaguely coherent uh, and not too sweary. Thank you also <laughs> can to... Can I just say Megan- that, that generally, that'll do me for every day. Like that, that, yeah. that'll, <laughs> that'll do me for a good day, that. It's a low bar, but you've <laughs> sailed over it. Thank you. Thank you, too, to the wonderful and magnificent and the hugely insightful Liz Hutchins for kindly talking to us about what it all means. Ain't she got a lot of insight? Ain't she got a lot of insight? She's got more insight in her little finger than we have. (laughs) Oh, get some sleep. (laughs) We will be back next week. But if you want to let us know what you thought of this show or the babble in general uh, or Liz or any of that stuff, get in touch with us on Twitter at the Babble Wagon. Find us on Facebook. Just search Sustainababble or drop us an email to hello at sustainababble.com. Fish and do give us a review, ideally a nice one on your podcast medium of choice because it all helps, doesn't it? Thank you also, as ever, to the magnificent Dickie Moore for all of the wonderful music that starts, ends, and intertwinkles. Twinkles or twingles? Twinkles. <laughs> intertwinkles. Twinkles. Intertwinkles. Intertwinkles. <laughs> this podcast. Thank you, Dickie. We love you very much. Right, uh, I shall be back next week. I intend to sleep for six and a half days, upon which I shall talk about something that isn't an election with you. Is that a deal? That's a deal. And don't go doing any more podcasts without me. I'm going to do me out of a job. And people will forget it. 
flatter my ego, tell me you miss me or something like that. Bye. (laughs) 